Thank you, guys. You guys can go sit. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm going to share uh, what I received from Quebec, which for those of you who were there Friday night, you've heard this already, but you're going to have a double portion. So I had this, I had this um, a month before I was coming on this trip. I was obviously praying in the midst of business and I was like, okay, God, I need you to speak to me. And every morning I would wake up with this song that some of you might know, these dry bones will live again. We're nothing without you. I just kept on hearing these dry bones will live again. We're nothing without you. Just that. And I would wake up like in the night and hear that. And I was like, that's so random. Like, I'm not dreaming about this. I would wake up and I would sing in my sleep these lyrics. And God told me this is significant for this province. And, um, And then my mentor in Bethel, um, he before I left, he said, Ellie, I received this verse for you for this trip. And it, it was Ezekiel 37, which speaks of dry bones. And then everyone has been speaking about dry bones. And I'm like, okay, there's something on that. So I'm going to release uh, this verse over you. I'm going to read it. And uh, I have grace for my beautiful French accent as I'm reading in English. Um, this is what I heard. I heard multiple things, but it's time to dream new dreams. And that's in Joel uh, 2.28. Um, God is is uh, bringing a generation together in Quebec. We saw this this morning in Sherbrooke. Generation came together, and, and God is bringing generation together. But, but God is also bringing a denomination together. He's bringing different type of church that carry different type of gift, and he's saying, come in unity. And God is bringing unity within cultures in Quebec as well. He's bringing unity between the French and the English, but also between the, the people f that are born in Quebec and the immigrants. Um, and in e Ezekiel 37, it says this, The end of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. And if you, if you look culturally, it was not normal to have piles of bone underground. In, in, in that time, people were buried, and it was, it was actually... Um, like bone placed in open space was like uh, not decent. It wasn't decent to have piles of bone in public place. And, and so Ezekiel is standing on piles of dry bones, which is very unusual for that time because they buried people. And then, um, it, it, so that means the body was, were left unburied. And so that, that shows that th these were people that were dead probably at a war because there were so many that no one was buried. And then you see at the verse 2, it says this, Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, they were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And then um, it says after that in verse 4, Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones as, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Breath in other translation doesn't just mean breath to live. It means the spirit. And, and God was speaking of reawaking of 
a people in the spiritual realm. And that's why I think this is so significant for Quebec because we don't have pile of dead body, but we do have pile of dead spirit. And the Lord is awake in Quebec and the, in the spirit of the people that is, that is sleeping. And then we see in verse um, uh, six, He says, I will put uh, sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly and and suddenly uh, the bones came together bone to bone indeed as i looked the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over but there was no breath in them and that again speaks of yes the body are there but there's no spirit and the lord wants to bring it spirit in quebec Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they live, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army." Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I believe that, yes, this was obviously written regarding Israel, but I believe that this is a word for Quebec. That God is, is calling us Christians to prophesy over a province and to see bones Dry bone lives. He's calling us to, to prophesy. It's time for the breathe, the Holy Spirit, the breath, sorry, the Holy Spirit to come and to fill the people. So that was my word for Quebec. And I believe that God is calling you to be bold and to believe, just like Ezekiel uh, was bold and believe. But Ezekiel has to, had to have the boldness of dreaming of what these bone could be like if... It, As he prophesied live, he had to imagine what it would be like for these bones to be alive. And I want to suggest to you that um, maybe some circumstances in your life look very dry. Maybe you're facing situation. Maybe you're facing things in your life that look dry. And I want to tell you that God today is giving you faith to believe that these dry things are meant to live. Uh, Ezekiel was in a place that was totally uh, um, without dignity, piles of death, piles of dry bone. And suddenly, because he believed, he was surrounded by an army, an army that represented a country. And maybe, I mean, when I decided to come in Quebec, everyone told me, Ellie, this is going to be hard because Quebec's spiritual spirituality is dead. And I laughed and I said, that's a lie. And, and that's not true. I saw miracle everywhere we went. We saw oh, like so many physical healing. We had people giving their life to Jesus um, on Friday night. We saw people coming to us in the street street as we were walking not even preaching coming and saying I know what you have I can see your spirit we saw people coming to us and saying I want prayer for you and they didn't even knew we were like Christian we were just randomly there and so I just want to say it's not true that Quebec is a hard land Jesus is not looking at Quebec looking well this is hard Jesus is looking at this land and he's looking for people that are going to say 
dry bone live. And tonight I want to just uh, speak boldness over you and say, maybe it's for you to stand up and say, these dry bones can live. Because God is, there's nothing um, that's too big for God and nothing is too dead for God to, to bring it to life. And so that's my word for Quebec today. And I want you to take it for you. I want you to take it for you because God is calling each and every one of you to speak life into where you're at. We need all of you in your different sphere of influence. We need all of you to raise up, rise up. We need all of you to rise up and say, I will go and I will believe. When I, when I started to dream about this trip, this ministry trip, when I, when I did first year of BSSM in 2014, I remember um, already there's barely any French Canadian. There was Sabrina and Olivier and I, who were, and uh, I was like, well, there's no one from Quebec and that sucks. And then there was no ministry trip in Canada or in Quebec. And I was like, man, like, why is no one going there? And I was very frustrated. And I was like, well, it's a forgot, like everyone forgot or no one knows about it. And suddenly God told me uh, last year when I went back, he said, why are you not raising up? Like, what are you waiting for? And sometimes I feel like we wait for like the perfect person that's fully prepared. And I want, and like I said before, I start to preach. Like God doesn't want to use someone that have it all. He wants to use someone that doesn't have it all so he can show up and they can be a living miracle. And so when, when I realized that last year, I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to make this step and I'm going to try to make this trip happen. And, and the trip, uh, I mean, I was like, oh, who I am, who am I? Who am I to say, I'm going to lead these students? And God said, you're the one who says, yes, that's who you are. And so here I come to you guys with my students. Obviously, it's obvious that this trip happened. But this trip happened because I say yes to the thing that was on my heart. And, in, and I started a, also a program in, in California for uh, rescued sex trafficked uh, under 18. And I have 30 students that are going every week and doing workshop there. And that's the same thing that happened. That started with a dream. I saw a need and I said, there needs to be something happening there. And God said, who are you waiting for? If it, who are you waiting for? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about sex trafficking. I'm not equipped. And God said, but you're there. And I think uh, God loves to put us in situation where we're totally unable because that's when he can show up. And that's what this trip has been for me. <laughs> Just feeling like, ah, and God coming totally. And, 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 and I want to encourage you um, just with my presence tonight that if I'm here tonight speaking to you, you can also be where God, uh, where God is calling you. And you can also step in the dream that God has for you because he, en he enables you by your yes. Um, and so tonight um, I'm going to be speaking on uh, identity and for those who were there this morning you're going to hear it again and it's going to be even better <laughs> and so um so basically um I, as i was praying and asking god what am i supposed to speak on everyone that uh, every pastor that i that i partner with told me there's a need for the quebec to understand who they are and i was like that's so cliche like identity, like, okay. 
Um, and so Jesus, like, gave me, gave me uh, this verse, and it's in uh, Luke 9. And so if you guys want to go in Luke 9, I'm not going to read it because by now I know it pretty well. Um, but I'm going to walk you through that verse. Um, in Luke 9, we see that the, pro the 12 prophets are, are sent, uh, they're given authority by God to go and preach. And then we see a little bit later that they feed uh, 5,000 people with barely nothing. So they see the multiplication. And then they we see the transfiguration in that same verse, in that same time. We see that they're healing demonic people. people uh, demons are coming out of people. We see that um, people are, are getting healed of disease and illness. And... Um, They were, and we see in that that the disciples are used in like crazy ways, and 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 suddenly in verse uh, 46, we see that the disciples are arguing about who's the greater, <laughs> and and they're walking back from all these miracles, right? That are crazy, and they're like, so who's the best? Is it John? Is it Luke? And they're like, I think I'm the best. No, I think I'm the best. And Jesus, uh, knowing their thoughts, he takes a little kid. And if you don't know in, in the historical background, like in that time, a kid had no value. A kid, in when he was in a room or she was in a room, um, it was like considered as a nothing, like as good as a slave, as good as an animal. And not only does Jesus acknowledge the presence of a kid in the room, which was already big because no one acknowledged the presence of a kid, he takes that kid and he puts that kid on his right side. And if you guys don't know what it meant at that time to be on the right side of a king, it meant, it, it meant to be the most important person to that, that king. Um, when you're the, the right harm, is that an expression in English? Right hand, yes, of someone, that means you're like his helper. That means you're like his favorite person. And and Jesus takes that insignificant little child and he puts him on the right hand, exactly where the disciples wanted to be. And then he said, the least will be the greatest. And um, a lot of people, when they, they preach uh, with this verse, they talk about we need to love the kids, and that's not what I'm going to be speaking about tonight, though I love kids. Um, they, they preach about we need to make the least the greatest, and they preach about humility. But tonight, um, the revelation that God gave me with this verse is that what the disciples were looking for was a title. The, the disciples, um, they were looking for to be at the right hand hand of uh, Jesus but what they were looking for was a title they were looking to be the greatest they were looking for that title of oh I am the favorite of Jesus and I want to suggest that they were looking for that title because they were looking for their identity because um It's funny that they do all these amazing supernatural things that all the good Christians are supposed to be doing, yet they argue and they're like, who's the greatest? And I'm like, why do you care? Don't you know who you are? And, and I, I want to suggest that the disciples were looking to find a title that would give them a sense of identity because they are not understand yet that they were sons, sons of God. And I want to I want to tell you a little story about my life that God uh, gave me to illustrate 
uh, what Jesus wanted to do. Uh, first, th those of you who know my father, he has an organization in Greater Montreal. And when I was 19, he hired me to be the director of his food bank. And so I had uh, a lot of volunteer and employees under me that were men that were older than me and they were very rough. And it was very challenging. And... Um, When my dad asked me uh, to be the director of that food bank uh, at 19 years old, I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. But because I knew my dad and because I was like, well, my dad really cares about his organization. Therefore, he's not going to ask me to do something if he thinks I'm going to fail. So I said yes. And in the same way, when, when your dad daddy in heaven asks you to do something just like he asked the disciple to go and 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 preach and to go and he give them authority it's because he knows you're able to do it and when i started to work at that food bank i obviously uh, did not carry a lot of authority at 19 years old nor did i carry confidence Um, and I, I just wanted to be liked, to be honest. I was like, I just want them to love me. And then that's going to be like, I'm doing a great job. And it's funny because I feel like that's what the disciples were like. They're like, I just want Jesus to love me. Like, I just want Jesus to tell me that I'm his favorite. And I was like, I just want to be loved. Um, but I started to notice that because of my position as a daughter in that organization, I would get into a room and no one would know me. No one had a relationship with me yet because I was just starting and suddenly people would listen to everything I said and they would go we need to listen to her because she's the, da the daughter of the big boss and in the same way I believe that when you come into the, your position of sons and daughter in God you have direct uh, access to the authority that God has given you because he is your daddy and when you walk in a place people go I need to listen and I need to recognize the authority that it's person is carrying not because I was qualified not because I was confident not because I had proved my proved my proved myself but because I was the daughter of the big bus and in the same way we are sons and daughters of God and because when we come in that position of knowing who we are we have direct authority and that's my first point tonight do you realize the authority that God has given you as sons and daughters it doesn't it doesn't come through performance it doesn't come through doing obviously the disciple had done many things but it comes when you realize that you're a son and daughter of God and there are things that your daddy has overcome that you were called to overcome not because you're qualified but because he's qualified you Just like my dad qualified me. And just because everyone recognized his authority. And you have no idea the things you can shift in an atmosphere just by knowing that, I, that identity and that authority because you're sons and daughters of God. And tonight I believe that God is giving to some of you the revelation of the authority that you carry as sons of, and daughters. And uh, the second thing that I noticed is that suddenly leading was becoming easy when I was under my dad. Not because I was qualified, like I said already, but because I, I noticed it's easy to take decision when you know who, how the big buck bus thinks. 
And suddenly I would be in front of situation and I would have to make decision. I would have to, to, yeah, just take big decisions. And I would, and I would just go back and think about how my daddy is. I would say, okay, my dad, his values are integrity. His values are this. And suddenly I had like revelation almost of, okay, I need to make this decision. And in the same way, when you know your father in heaven, there's things that are going to come to you naturally just because of that intimate relationship that you have with him. And, um, and, and, and knowing your daddy intimately is going to give you access to a wisdom that you've never known before only because your daddy has wisdom and your daddy is not just owning a food bank like my dad, he's owning the world and there's nothing that he doesn't know. Um, And my third point is this, I remember, um, obviously I said a lot of them were, a lot of my, the people under me were volunteer, they were, uh, they, they were a bit of like ghetto people, and <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but they were very ghetto, just totally ghetto, um, half of them wanted to date me, the other half was always confronting me, I was like, oh my god, and a lot of them were trying to create conflict all the time, like they would say like, they would just lie, and um, it was funny because them tried to create conflict between my dad and I and they came to me and they were like your dad said this about you and your dad said that about that person and I just remember being like no like my dad did not say that and they were like how do you know and I was like well I know my dad my dad doesn't say these things and in the same way like when you know your dad and what he says about you and when people come and say like you're stupid you can go like haha I don't think so because my dad says I'm intelligent therefore you're a liar in the same way that like these employees came to me like your dad uh, said that you were not a very good employee I'm like I don't think my dad would say that and in the same way when you got to know your father and you understand your position as sons and daughters you access to a higher truth about who you are you access to a truth that surpasses even your your understanding that surpasses again your ability and suddenly when people come with lie and they're like you suck you're like ha 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 that's a lie because my daddy says that I'm amazing and suddenly even the things that are in front of you that seems impossible they became possible because you're like Like my daddy says this about me, just like my dad said, you can be the director of the food bank, even if you're young and you're a woman. In the same way, sometimes you have things in your heart and you're, and God like puts um, vision in your life. And you're like, I don't know how that's possible, but I want to tell you that when God gives you a vision, he equips you. And when he sends you somewhere, he never, he never sends you to leave you. And in my my last point regarding this is obviously being in food bank I give food to people that's the goal and so we would feed family and I remember I thought it was very some people are funny they would come to me and they would say wow you have a lot of food and I would be like what they would be like oh you have so much food that you feed 400 people and like they thought that all the food was mine So they were like, oh, you're, you're like, wow, where do you get all this food? You must be rich. And they, like people didn't get what it was. And I, would, and I was like, oh, that's not my food. 
Like the food that I'm getting is not mine. It's my dad's food. And some people would say like, you're, you're young. Like, are you liking food? I mean, how can you at 19 years old feed 500 family? It doesn't make sense. And I would be like, that food is not mine. I'm just giving what my dad has. And in the same way, when you realize what your daddy has in his fridge, in his freezer, When I realized, obviously I realized it from the beginning, otherwise I would have had an anxiety attack if I thought I had to feed 500 family a week, I would not have taken the job. But <laughs> when you understand what your daddy is, uh, what he has, I mean, when you understand that your dad has unlimited supplies, when you understand that like you can go in the fridge and uh, give what the person is asking, you suddenly have an increase of faith because you understand that it's not about what you have. You understand that it's about what he has. And in the same way, sometimes we tend to look at ourselves and be like, well, this is what I have. You're like, mm, I can maybe feed one person. But God is calling us to look at him and to be like, oh, I'm a son and daughter of God. Therefore, I have unlimited access to what he has. And I don't know if you know, if you know what God has, but God has access to the impossible. God is healing people. God is raising people from the dead. God is breaking off depression. God is breaking off anxiety. God is breaking off religious spirit. God is making dead bones come alive and he creates army. So I don't know if you realize what your daddy has, because I believe that when you realize what your father in heaven has, and when you realize that your sons and daughter of God that you have limited access to his provision because, not because you're qualified, not because you've worked for it, not because you did good, but because you're the sons and daughter of God, then you can capture that and give it away to people. And suddenly you can feed 500 people a week. And suddenly there's things that seemed impossible. There's things that you didn't even deserve that become possible. I remember in 2015, I was in Indonesia and God told me, Ellie, there's going to be healing. And I was in an underground church with thousands of teenagers and suddenly I started to pray and I started to pray and pray and for three hours I prayed and and after after I prayed for three hours seven six hundred people were healed and I was like wow I don't know what happened I mean I just prayed but it's because at that moment I realized my daddy in heaven he heals therefore I'm his daughter I carry his DNA and if you know my dad uh, um, my natural dad you un I carry some of his giftings if you heard my dad preach you'd be like oh she speaks a little bit like him if you heard my mom who's right there talk you would say oh she she sounds a bit similar in the same way when we talk when we when we walk when we do things and we realize we're sons and daughter of God we carry his DNA and in the same way that I walked in an authority that I did not deserve and that people recognize we are called to walk in new authority and uh, 
Quebec is called to walk in a new authority, not because um, we've performed, not because we're, we've worked for it, but because God is calling us sons and daughters. And tonight I heard that God is breaking up performance in this room and that and 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 I know what that feels like because I'm the first person who wants to perform. I'm the first person who wants to have it all together, look good and be perfect. I used to perform in sports, therefore performance, working hard, training is something I know. And God has broken up performance in my life and that's still something that I'm growing. But I'm realizing that no matter what my performance, God is not limited. And he's not looking at my success that looks looks successful to the people's eyes. He's looking at my position and he's looking at my yes. There is nothing that qualified me to lead this trip other than my position as a daughter who said, I don't even have money, I don't have the qualification, but I will go. And tonight, God is asking some of you that have I've had dreams that are dormant. He's asking some of you, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting to be perfect? Are you waiting to have money? Are you waiting to, to have like 20 people do it with you? And And I think... For some of you, God is saying it's time to rise up and it's time to say yes. It's time to rise up and look at God and say, I don't know how you're going to do that, but I'm going to be there and say yes. And God is not asking us to understand how. He's asking us to say yes. And when you understand who you are, the yes becomes easy. And I'm speaking from experience. I've said yes to God, I mean, most of my life. But uh, for the last six years, I've been doing um, mission, ministry in Montreal, uh, overseas. I've been in 19 countries. And um, living by faith, having some... Last year, I had probably $5 all the time, not more, all year. And and Sophie, who was my roommate, she knows. I'd be like, I have rent to pay because I lived in California. I couldn't work. And I would be like, I have rent to pay. I don't know where the money's going to come. And Jesus provided. But when you know God intimately and you know his character, you can know that he's never going to let you down. And what I've experienced was stress for no reason, but I've, ex- I've, know, I've seen my God never let me down. In the midst of, of crazy step of faith in my personal life, um, I've seen God provide. In, in, and tonight, God wants you to know that he wants to provide for you, and he's asking you, are you going to stand and say yes? And he's asking you, are you going to come as sons and daughters? God is not looking for performers He's not, he's not uh, uh, looking for someone who has a title. He doesn't care about your title. He actually likes to break the title of people. <laughs> he doesn't care about your title, really. Because you can lose your title tomorrow, and who are you going to be then? But God cares about his sons and daughters, and that's you and I. And yeah, tonight I believe some of you are also going to encounter God and you're going to have revelation of who you are. And there's things that maybe you're going to hear about yourself that are going to scare you. I remember when God told me I was going to preach, I, was, uh, I had just turned 18, I was in 
Panama on an island. I lived on an island in the sea, uh, sea tribe at that time. And I was going home and I was like, okay, Jesus, what am I doing now? And God said, you're going to preach. And I was like, uh, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> and at that time, I wasn't even bilingual. And I was like, okay. And, uh, but I said, okay. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm going to believe this. And I mean, I didn't preach the next day, but I put myself in a position where I said, I'm just going to say yes. And, but my life is not about preaching. My life is about doing what God says. And so, yes, God has called me to preaching, but that's not the end of my life. I'm not going to leave tonight and say, that's it. I've done it. Bye. I can go to heaven and be happy. Now I can, you know, rest. Hallelujah. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, oh, I've done this. And God loves to challenge us. And, and, and now that I'm, I mean, now that I'm obviously preaching, and it's not my first time preaching, God is giving me bigger dreams. And I'm like, ah. And, and God loves to do that. But he does that because there's so much about you that he knows that you don't even know that you have. In the same way that there's so much about me that my dad and my mom knew when they, they said, do you want to be the director of a food bank that I didn't understood that I have. And in the same way that Jesus knew so much more about the, the, the disciples that they understood. And that's why he gave them that lesson. Um, and when the disciples finally understood who they were, you see after Jesus resurrected and went to heaven that they understand who they are at that point. They're not trying to perform and they're changing the world. But even when you've not arrived to a place of identity, God is still using you today. Um, and um, I just want to pray for you guys. And I'm going to have my team come up. And they're going to release words of knowledge and prophetic words over you guys. But I want to pray for you guys because you guys are my people. And I, and, and, um, I don't want to be... I, I remember as a teenager, I was frustrated looking at Quebec. I would say, I feel so frustrated that uh, I felt like I was the only one like standing. And that's also a lie. Um, but I'm so encouraged to see you guys today. And I believe that, that no matter where you are, God is going to increase your level of faith, your awareness of who you are. And he's going to appoint you as sons and daughters. And so tonight, I believe you guys are going to experience more. And I believe that this is just the beginning Of, of a movement that's happening in Quebec. This is just the beginning of something that's happening in Quebec. One of my biggest frustrations before I went back to BSSM was that I didn't see many women preaching, especially young and single women. I was like, there's none. Why is there no one? And people would tell me, well, maybe when you get married, you can uh, support your husband. And I was like, no. <laughs> and those of you, <laughs> and those of you who know me know that I'm not the most like, yeah. I'm like, absolutely not. I, and and some of you maybe you have words in your life, and you have frustration. And I want to tell you that maybe some of the frustration you experience are things you're called to change. And someone told me uh, probably six years ago, well, Ellie, if you feel this frustrated about how people don't empower women here, maybe you're meant to. Come as a powerful woman and empower other women. And tonight I stand feeling pretty confident in who I am and, and, and saying 
yes, there might not be 20,000 women like me in Quebec, and I don't want any woman like me, but <laughs> I, I do believe that, uh, that God is raising up people that are going to enter into their destiny and that are going to that, that are going to believe that they are the change just like God raised me up in the midst of my frustration in the midst of, of feeling like no one saw me no one believed in me because I was a woman because I was not married and 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 I was like why are you calling me to preach God if I'm a woman and I'm single and no one wants to hear me And, and yes, maybe God is calling you to things that are hard, but there's nothing he's calling you to that he's not going to make possible. And when you have big victory, you have big influence. And so, yeah, tonight I just want to pray for you guys. And I, I just pray that you would have a revelation of who you are. Yeah, Jesus, I just pray that you will reveal yourself to these people, that you would reveal them to them that they are sons and daughters of God, that you would reveal to them that they are powerful people and that they have an authority and unlimited access to your uh, supply. God, I pray that you would uh, increase the faith of people in this room to believe that dry bones can live. Yeah, I pray that you would increase the faith of people in, in this room to believe that they might might just be the thing that Quebec needs, that they might just be the one that needs to raise up and say yes, even if no one else is doing that, because you've put things in their heart. God, I pray that tonight, that some people will leave this place and say, it is time to prophesy dry bones live. It is time to rise up and say, maybe this looks crazy, but God is speaking to me. God, I pray that people tonight would come and say, I don't know what's happening, But I know that my dad, he's taking care of me. I know that my dad, he's not leaving me. And God, I pray that people would have a faith where they see that I don't know how I can give that to people. God, I pray that they would have the eyes to see that you take care, that you provide, that there's nothing impossible. And God, I pray for a heart and a faith for this province, that Quebec would be known for miracles and for testimonies of things that seemed impossible possible and things that seems like they were dead that came back to life because some simple people that were not qualified some simple people that had nothing to give that did not perform that did that did not have them have it all together said I'm just gonna rise up because my daddy spoke to me and he said hey you can do this hey you can do this And God, I just pray that as Christians in Quebec, we would rise up, that we would link harm, and that we would recognize what each and everyone has, that we would honor each other on new level, God. I pray for a new level of authority and unity in Quebec, God. I pray that the kids and the elders would look at each other and honor what it, what is in each other's life. God, I pray that we would look at the French speakers, at the Anglophones, at all the immigrants, and that we would say, you matter and you're meant to be used in this, in this province. God, I declare unity over Quebec. Quebec. Yeah, I declare unity over Quebec right now. And I declare that it starts with you. That that you're an answer to the things that annoy you and you're an answer to the to the desire that God has put in your heart. And that you actually are meant to change the things you want to see changed in this province.
Yeah. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you're doing a new thing. We thank you, Jesus, that you're doing a new thing.